The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all of my awesome co-hosts. Laura Dash. Nate Heininger. And Shane Kelly, there's a perfect electronic chain from my voice to your ears. I think there's a powerful magic in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> and this week we are talking about immortality again. We are talking spoilers. This is a spoiler cast of immortality from Half Mermaid and uh, director, uh, creator Sam Barlow and and Squad. Um if you haven't listened to pre- the previous week's episode, this one won't make sense. And in all honesty, if you haven't played Immortality, this episode is probably not the place to start. If you haven't played, like, a couple hours of Immortality, this is probably yeah. not going to make sense. Mm-hmm. We're going to be jumping yeah. right into into pretty in-depth spoiler territory. Ring the spoiler bell. We don't normally do two episodes on games that we don't highly, highly recommend. So somehow you've made it. Do yeah. exactly right this moment. Uh, yeah, go play the game. Listen to episode one, and then come back to here. I'll say, folks, uh, if you are about waist deep in water, this is a comfortable time for you. If you have completely hit credits, congratulations, you can listen to the episode. But if you're still mid swimming, you haven't hit credits, you can still join for some of the party. But uh, there will be a time yeah. when the party is no longer safe for you. <laughs> yeah, we won't be able to have like a, a. I mean, first of all, we're already in total spoiler territory here but like i won't have a hey here's where you jump off point because this game is a soup of discoveries and you know where you are in it and we can't tell you what is and is not a spoiler for you at any point this is really an episode designed mostly for um you know we're going to be talking about things in in an order that seems to make sense to us um which is mostly going to be we're going to start by talking about some of the hidden mechanics and talk about some of the initial discoveries that come after you discover those hidden mechanics then we're going to talk through the plots of the movies this this game is made up of three films and we're going to talk through the the films what happens both in front of and behind the camera during the production of those films um and then we're going to talk endings and other other stuff like that um so you'll know if you are trying to hop off at some point uh, where you want to hop off. Uh, but just know that we may blurt something that's a, a surprise to you if you haven't completed the game. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to live with that if you decided to listen to this episode before completing the game. I should also say, like, Shane and I have hit credits and I've played I played this game for about 16 hours at this point. Um, a little longer so I, than I have not seen fare. everything in the game, but I've seen damn close. Um, Shane, where were you at with it? I I don't know exactly number of hours, but I think we're probably on about the same page at this point. I know there's a couple Mm. of things that you have seen that I haven't and probably vice versa. Um, I I have answers to most of the pressing questions in the game, and uh, I definitely feel like I've had a kind of complete experience. But it's the nature of these Sam Barlow games that they're designed for you to kind of meander and miss things. And uh, Mm -hmm. this maybe more than any of the previous ones is designed for you to miss certain things. I expect this episode to be much like, you know, any long time listener will understand that this is likely to be another episode where 
uh, Shane and Reagan and Laura tell me what actually happened in the game. Although Laura, I know me and Laura are more, uh, we're in the hand. Laura, I was on vacation for the week. And honestly, like there was a house with like 12 kids and five yeah. adults. And like, let's be honest, Perfect this game isn't the right place. Like, that's not a suitable environment yeah. for this game. So I'm probably closer to six hours, which is way less than my other co-hosts. Yeah. But I'm also aware of the dangerous waters that I'm swimming in. And I, I I split the difference between this group. I think I'm right around the corner from hitting credits, but I am also I always am wrong about what I think is happening in Sam Barlow games. So I'm excited to hear what is actually happening in this game. So um, I guess let's dig in. Reagan, you want to I think we have to set up some of the mechanics, right? So this game tells you its core mechanics right up front, you know. Look through these clips, use the match cut feature to find new clips to watch, watch them from usually the middle because you're jumping in. Um, But as you begin exploring the films, you might notice some weird stuff start to happen. Um, The... Actually, maybe maybe it'd be fun to talk about quickly, how did you guys discover this, the rewind mechanic and the scenes within a scene or clips within a clip? Well... I mean, I you know any the 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 soundtrack in this game, the sound design is really good, but the soundtrack, what's playing underneath, is pretty unobtrusive, like a blend of sort of classical music and and a little bit of like detective, you know, heart beating music a little bit, but for the most part, it just blends into the background until it very much does not, and you get a really yeah, you get you get a very obvious. A uh, creepy sound, and uh, you know your controller starts to shake. Oh, cool! So, I was doing a keyboard, uh, so yeah, oh. so yeah. Oh man, I would have had a hard time without yeah. the without the keyboard, Same. the controller, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the audio cues were sometimes a lot subtle. Quieter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Steam Deck vibrated, and that ultimately ended up becoming even more of an indicator for me. But right out of the gates, they're like, <laughs> okay, uh, well, I have like two things I can do, which is go forward or go backwards. And now there's a ominous hum. So I bet it's, I, I must have to go backwards here or something. And then, you know, it, which is essentially what it is. You, you know, there's some, I still don't truly understand what the difference between some, sometimes you have to like go frame by frame with the D pad and like click over until you find exactly the frame that, triggers the secret yeah scene. so i'm not sure that that's not a bug um because there's so like when you use the analog stick or the triggers to move forward and backwards through a clip it kind of has analog speed control mm-hmm. whereas if you're using the arrow uh, you know, the left and right on the d-pad it's it's a fixed speed and i think it's I, my theory is that if you get the speed just right with the analog control, then that'll activate it. But it's easier to get that speed at exactly the speed it's expecting in order to activate those clips when you use the arrows. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I and don't think I agree with that. I, I hmm. think there are several different kinds of interaction that yes. they're using to, to load into these uh, alternate scenes. They all do involve going backwards through the tape, but some of them are, I think, specifically meant to be easier to trigger than others like there's you asked at, at the start of this like how did you get how did you discover these at first and i mean for me that was 
the game is really designed like a nonlinear video editor. Mm -hmm. And so I was just using those shuttle keys as I'm very used to for any kind of video project. Uh, If you're rewinding in this game, you're going to start seeing those things. And I think it's just easy to see it and then uh, rewind over it. You know, you you see when you're rewinding, you rewind again and again. And you think, okay, maybe there's a specific frame here. And then you start going frame by frame because they give you all of these controls. And that's when you start triggering it. If if they made them too easy to trigger by just rewinding, then you would lose what I think is a really compelling um, period in your exploration of the game, which is the period uh, where you know something is odd, but you're not constantly triggering the rewind scenes the special hidden well i scenes. think it's speed dependent because if you start going backwards at a certain speed um it, it's it's speed and time dependent because you can go all the way back and miss things entirely there's like a mid mm-hmm. but you, if you go slow enough and you hit the right spot you will trigger some um but i think you need to do it around the time of the blomp like I, yeah. it took me a while to yeah. know it was sound cued because I didn't mm-hmm. have the uh, haptic feedback. What happened for me was that I, um, uh, you know, I was, I was early on. I was sticking to trying to find watch video clips from Ambrosio, mm-hmm. and um, Ambrosio. We'll talk about the plot of it in a bit, but it has a lot of scenes where people are speaking to the devil or trying to summon the devil. And in those scenes, they were speaking in a way that was like, that sounds like backwards, backwards speech. And, you know, that's it's a classic thing, like talking backwards is devil talk. Right. So I was I was trying to hear what they were saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to hear those and in several places. And that, first of all, is really brilliant because it's like a clue right to you that you should be trying to play video in reverse to hear the video because everyone knows about playing a record backwards. Right. Um, and in fact, this would have been coming out at a time when people would have been talking about that, I think. Um, and uh, and in some of those contexts, I never got it to activate. Initially, I didn't get it to activate an actual clip. It was just showing those ghost images. And I thought that was all that was happening. I thought that I was just seeing, I thought I was just going to see ghost images at this point. I didn't realize that each of those ghost images, as far as I can tell, all of those ghost images, if you screw around with the speed enough, it will activate a clip. You know, what's funny, Reagan, is I have played, again, a lot of hours of this game, and I don't think I've seen any of those uh, them talking backwards scenes, but I have seen them talking to the devil. <laughs> so yeah. I somehow I, I'm not, you know, I didn't have that like learned experience. When you yeah, play it back, it says like out. Satan is Lord. He is mine. Yeah. Like, you can hear it. But the funny yeah, thing is the first scene that I did the backwards to listen to the talk uh, is a rehearsal. What happened to be a rehearsal scene? And there is not a hidden seen in that one and then the second time when i was listening to the full version of the um devil worship and i went backwards that was the first time i clipped into the uh, a secret scene so it was like it was actually a big surprise because the first time i thought it was just backwards talk the second time i wanted to hear the backwards talk again and got a scene so i think that might have been them i've wondered too there's something about um the secret scenes are usually either the the um, secret characters uh, who we'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. are in just sort of like a black box or a very dark environment. And then there are other ones where they are replacing characters mm-hmm. in the scene. And yes. I found that a lot of times those ones where they're replacing 
It was just simply going backwards. Yeah, those yes. ones were easier to activate. They were way honestly. easier to activate. It was the ones where they're like monologuing, uh, you know, often right down the barrel, Black right in the white. Kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of interpreted that as like when you see those scenes where it is literally. So we'll talk in a moment about what is what is revealed by these clips, but the the uh, the strange people that <laughs> that we encounter in these clips, see through um, dress, slick right, back hair, slick back hair woman. <laughs> um, the scenes where she is just in the space with the the actors you were already seeing, usually replacing one of the characters. Um, I interpreted that as like, this is the reality of what's happening in a sense. I mean, I think it is all, it's like, it's, it's a, it's, it's revealing a truer, a truer reality. Right. Whereas the, the clips that are black and white, I just interpret it as these are the inner thoughts of this being. This is this person, this, uh, this being, um, you know, laying it out for you in in a sort of an inner monologue that's not necessarily present in the moment of the of the scene. That's what I thought at first, but I actually don't think so now. Oh, well, I'd love to hear your interpretation if that makes sense to talk about now. But yeah, when we're talking about this black and white thing, um, for the two people listening that might have taken a film class and been well, forced to watch it, it's very like Passion of Joan of Arc from like 1920s. It's very close up, very black and white, very like no hair, intense shots. Um, it, it feels very personal and there is, it feels very direct. Um, I won't say more than that, but like, you will be able to tell the difference between the substitution scenes and the direct address ones. If you haven't seen it before, if it's not passion of Joan of Arc, it's the seventh seal. Mm. So oh, yeah. it's, it's Bergman-y, it's, it's, it's Scandinavian in all those, um, secret secret scenes as opposed to the ones where you're just like swapping in for the actors and the scene continues you know i didn't think about seventh seal when you mentioned that and like you know i'm not a i'm not a film nerd to the degree where i'm like you know deeply um bergman literate but like this definitely yeah i could see that that's 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 a good sweet ref Hey, <laughs> didn't finish the game, but can provide the film references. Yeah, but this is also like really a, like this is a film nerd ass film nerd game. And yep. so it would not surprise me at all if that was something that they were specific. I'm looking forward for to in a week when I'm another 10 hours in this game being like, oh, man, there's a secret reference to this movie. Yeah. And just like sharing it in the discord. Yeah, I am looking forward to the like seven hour long video essays about this this mm-hmm. game, like really hardcore. Um, but continuing on, we talked a little bit about the scenes within scenes and the rewind mechanic. A uh, couple quick things I want to touch on before we start talking about what we discovered using that and the other tools this game puts at your disposal. Um, one is that uh, I had a really hard time activating some of these until Shane gave me the tip about using the arrow or D pad in order to activate things. So if you're having trouble activating these, what worked most reliably for me most of the time was if when you find that that stretch of, of scene where there's the wah sound, I would play a little ways into it so I had a little bit of time to play with. Then I'd stop playback and then just hold the left D-pad arrow to do the rewind. And that almost always worked for me. Whereas like playing around other ways was yeah. kind of a hit or miss. I, I, um, same thing. And so that... Getting that tip early, and then you—I don't know about you guys, but then I immediately get confused because in the secret scenes, the buttons are switched forwards, backwards, backwards, and forwards, which yeah. is of course yeah. a you know a good dynamic. Yeah, because you're playing the, yeah, the tape backwards, you know, but essentially, I'm, yeah. And that also leads into the other thing that was like super confusing early on. This isn't super common, but there are scenes in this game where it places those scene within a scene 
within a scene. I don't think I remember it going more than four layers, but like if you get into one of those reverse scenes and then you hear that sound again, uh, Sometimes yep. it just sort of means that like, here's an off ramp to another clip. Um, sometimes it would mean like if you, if you start into one of those scene within a scenes and then rewind, or actually in this case, fast forward and then get, get to the point where you came in again, you'll hear the sound again. But if you hear that sound again, if you continue playing the clip and you hear that sound again, um, maybe towards the end of the clip, try reversing the direction of the tape again. And occasionally there will be reverses. Once you're into that situation, they, it becomes pretty easy you're not going to have to really do the frame by frame within yeah. the scene um but, but you do have to kind of expect yeah, or know you, that it's yeah. there sort of sort of sort of not like i think in a lot of cases the the times they used that as a gimmick um it was doing something really specific um like going there, back through layers of the past yeah, kind of thing. yeah there's there's a there's a lot of scenes that are like that that have really heavy importance to the meta narrative that mm-hmm. Are where they are revealing a lot of information or they are like something very plot relevant is happening. Um, and like, those are the scenes where they use that trick. That, or it's very clear they... in the dialogue that it's unfinished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wants you to finish it and you have to figure out how, like that was, that was the way I found it the first time was there was like a, it's not this wasn't the question but it's like what's in the box (laughs) that leads me to a question that i have and i think i want to ask now before we actually get into the into the nitty-gritty so there's all these crazy secret scenes you know the game the, the video is haunted or whatever but the world of this game is that it's presented as like a box set collection that you now get to like. I got a, I got a little more information on this because it's not it doesn't really put this straight up front and center. But like the meta narrative of this is intended to be that someone gave Sam Barlow and Half Mermaid a bunch of film okay. and they have released it as a piece of software mm. yep. emulating the old uh, movie. Uh, they had a specific name for it, Moviola. But they never went through it themselves because, like, wh- it's not to say that they didn't necessarily. My, but okay, they kept I have my it intact. It, but something compelled them to release it in this form. Is yep. is what I would say. It seems that. to me, if you um, figured out that there are, <laughs> you know, what's happening in this game, you'd 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 make that more public than releasing a uh, like an obscure. You or know. would you, Nate? Or would, or you, would Nate? you? Or would you? Uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about some things towards the end that made me think like that's an odd thing. Nope, yeah. I get it now. It's like the moment in Twin Peaks when you realize that half the town knew tons of secrets yeah. the whole time, and you're like, "Why were you not talking to each if other?" They want to get it out, but <laughs> they don't want to be like, "Oh, we purposefully." You know, it, yeah, okay. So yeah, that, that's all. So here's here's what here's what we start picking up on. The first thing that I saw when I saw one of these clips, just to give you a little taste, is I, the first one. I'm pretty sure the first one I I saw was the Great War. Mm-hmm. You know that clip that you run into a zillion times because yes. they link to it a bunch. Same. Um, and it's it's basically this this uh, strange, eerie looking black and white video of a woman with slicked back hair and a strange flowing dress that barely conceals her shape. Um, I'm just saying. And uh, there's a lot of nudity in this game. A lot of nudity. <laughs> Um, but she's unsettling looking, right? Yes. Like there's something they they cast a woman who's like able to achieve a level of like un 
unhumanity. Well, it's like really uncanny eerie. valley level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Her and the other one are both very strange looking. And she's in the in the clip that I first encountered, she's monologuing about having woken up around the time of the last great war, the World War One. And I forget what all else is in that clip. Influenza. Like, in, <laughs> influenza. She's talking about things that, you know, would, would have been so far outside the time period that this game depicts that, you know, it immediately clues you into like this oh, person immortal. is yeah. an immortal. Oh, at this point, I thought, cool, I found another movie, secret movie, and I clicked on her face and it just kept... Yeah. Bring yeah. me to Marissa. Back to yeah. Marissa, I, yeah. Because mine, the first time I saw her... It replaced. It was a. It was a shot with Marissa laying in bed, looking straight at the camera, and then uh, it swapped her out with this woman in the exact same position, in the exact same like everything, and so much so that I, I managed to get the frames uh, like right next to each other where I could go, Marissa whatever this is, Marissa, whatever this mm-hmm. is back and forth <laughs> and being like, is this Marissa or is it not Marissa? Cause I thought maybe they were doing in it like a, cause I thought her head, well, I thought her head was thing. shaved because of the angle. I didn't see that she had like, so I thought maybe there was like a, all right, this is future shaved head, intense Marissa. <laughs> this is Marissa. Who's been through some shit. <laughs> I guess it depends on which show. I, I was playing with Ambrosia so much at the beginning that, like, the the thought that that would have. I, I spent almost no time in the beginning of the game in Ambrosia, which I think is part of why I didn't mm. have any of the um, reverse d- demonic Please. stuff. I was in uh, Minsky a lot, and uh, and then mm. I was eventually like, no, look at the shape of their nose. That cannot be Marissa, you know, and then it. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I don't. Sometimes I think I'm face blind too. But yeah, you, know? you don't know at that point. You know, but again, I, you click I, on I her face and it goes to Marissa, yeah. like, and you're like, it's very, very yeah. confusing. So here's like, I don't. Uh, this is total spoiler cast. Yeah. So here we go. Um, I think at this point, before we start talking about the plot of the movies, I have to lay out like what I think is going on with these immortals. And at this point, I played through this game. Well, like, first off, calling them immortals is right. Okay, I've dug through. I've dug through this a lot now. Um, I'm if you if you guys are okay with it, I'm just going to go ahead and lay out what I believe is the plot of immortality as a whole. Can we do it a little bit different? Can Laura? Can you say what you think is happening, and then I'll say what I, I actually what yes, I, think, I like this. What idea. I think is Please happening. Oh, but I'm so much I, earlier I know, in the that's game. Why, <laughs> that's why it'll be. We can cut this so, if you don't want to do um, this, but like. Well, I've been partly I've I've already in the pre-talk been partly spoiled, but I'll tell you what my working yeah, theory okay. was like before I played the last like three hours in because I wrote it down on a piece <laughs> of paper and just revisited it because awesome. around the times I was getting the substitutions and I had seen uh, two or three of the monologues, I was like, oh, this is a corrupt version of Marissa who lives in film now. Nice. Like in the future, this is a version of like Marissa can't be like she gives this monologue um, that I found reasonably early um, that chain referenced the beginning about the light on the skin reaching people and like that is a powered magic. So I assume that um, at some point frustrated with the fact that none of her films are being released and more things weirdly happening that she just 
became a creature of film. She's relocated into the movie zone. And she haunts her back catalog. <laughs> I like that. And also, it's not actually that wrong. Right. As yeah. her... As an older, ageless version of herself, yeah. she lives by revisiting all her previous versions of herself caught on film and and puts herself back in them and, like, comments on what she felt at the time. And, like, that's how she lives. So she's like a film goblin. A succubus, yeah. a film is, wraith. Is I love what it. I, yeah, a film wraith. I, I think I wrote film succubus down because of the uh, the sexuality, all the, sex. of the, <laughs> all of the sex stuff. Yeah. So, um, so that for like that was a working theory of like this is an ageless version of Marissa, and that also to me helped the great. Like that's why I decided the war scene made sense because it was around the birth of film. Mm -hmm. So it coincided with the birth of film as a medium. So I was like, now Marissa can go back to the beginning she, of film. She lives in all film. Because she lives I in love, film. I love this theory. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's also not that wrong in some of its interesting particulars. Um, but this is but why like, I, I wrote it down because yeah. I was like, I want to know what three hours in Laura thinks is, is why happening. I, which is why I asked because I think that's interesting. Yeah. Because Reagan, where did you get with this, Nate? So... I love Laura's idea way better than mine, but I'm also like I, I've yeah, evolved mine since, but yeah, I liked that one yeah. better. <laughs> so my my working theory is was that um, like artistic muses actually exist in almost like a Greek sense, where it's like this sort of god thing that you know travels around and inspires people to create work, um, and these beings that we've seen are muses. But they're also like horrible demon creatures who, uh, mm -hmm. like, if for whatever reason you mess with their purpose, you get eaten. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that part of the like Marissa in the thing is like there was a whole ambrosia was the first thing I dealt in deep, and there's like selling your soul for what you yeah. want, and like devil and temptation so i assume marissa had to do some sort of deal with the devil yeah creature. the movie connections <laughs> I, yeah the film is her phylactery exactly yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah. there's some autoclaves involved yeah. i don't know what's gonna happen yeah, hor horcruxes left okay and right. um Horcrux. i like all of this stuff so here's I like all the stuff that it's wrong it. <laughs> yeah um, but it's wrong in cool ways. Um, so here's where I ended up with it. And this is also to say, like, my read on this is informed by more time with the with the text, but also not necessarily authoritative. Well, and I'm we've got to hear Shane's to rebuttal what to whatever you think is happening, too. Yeah, Shane, yeah. and you can. Yeah. So here's here's the here's the overall story that I think that the hidden scenes within this game are telling. Uh, there are creatures among us, not very many anymore these two that we know about that are immortal creatures that have lived since presumably the dawn of time. And they live among us. They take on human forms by um, basically eating people and taking on their form. Uh, and uh, they do that in order to renew themselves. And they are a kind of like, I thought of them as like psychic vampires, but I also thought like, well, these guys, they have, they, they're self-styled muses. Like Nate was saying, these, you guys these are, keep going back to muses. I never saw a, a shot. I don't think I saw a video where they referred to themselves as muses. So I'm not sure where mm -hmm. you guys are picking I, that up. From. I was thinking, I, I basically brought that to it. Um, maybe that was because I just watched the Sandman, which has a literal muse imprisoned. Yeah, I had, I had the same thought though, Reagan, before any of us talked about any of this, there was, there's something about, mm -hmm the way the the woman 
immortal talks about like trying to create or be a part of art or something like that. that so here's, yeah. here's where that specifically came in for me is that like, they talk about, um, there's two of them that are in this film and th- we don't have names for either of them. So, uh, one of them was specifically referred to as the other one. And yeah. The other they're one. credited as the one and the other one. Oh, they're credited. So, okay. I, I, uh, I knew one was the other one, which implied that the main one that we see the most of is the one, but, um, whatever. So anyway, I believe that the one and the other, there, there was the thing that, that brought that muses thing in for me was that they talked several times about at one time in the past, they were working together to try to uplift humanity. Um, And they did that by trying to inspire them through telling a great story. And the story that that they're talking about was the Christ story, that one of them, probably the other one, was Christ. And the other one was one or both of the Mary figures in the Christ story. So good. And that they... um, they were trying to uplift humanity by creating this this narrative, but that it failed. That the other one regarded that entire experience as a complete failure um, and sort of gave up on humanity. The one, the female that we see throughout most of the game, um, didn't quite reach that level of giving up on humanity. These creatures hibernate sort of from time to time and skip long periods of human history by doing so they do so by dying i i loved that one uh had a monologue at one point where she said how she had just gotten uh she had gotten good at it to the point where she could just lay down in a in a in a puddle of water and drown Mm. yeah or or she can just choose she said she had she used to have to drown herself but now she's gotten good enough that she can just stop breathing at will and die um which is cool um (laughs) It's so it's so tight how they can just lay and they can oh, just so cool. wish I could yeah. do that right Best superpower ever uh, um, and that her body just knows when to revive itself um, and so we come to the the present incarnation which is that she revived herself at some time around between World War One and World War Two I think it's right um, at the end of around World then. War um, or it's at the end of World War Two I think because she's saying there's a whole part about how like. People can be successful in dark times, but it's when things are thriving. Well, that's true. But she also talks about yeah. the Great War and the influenza uh, um, pandemic, which would have been 1918. 18. Yeah. Yeah, 1918. So um, I think she I think she came around uh, and we see this happen. If you look at there's certain clips where you can see um, her essentially wake up in a cave as a black man. And then there's another clip where you can see that black man talking in French to marissa marcel and then biting her neck um you see that oh wow Hmm. you uh yeah if you haven't caught that it's a it's a (laughs) pretty great scene man um so uh but i believe there was a a, there there was a incarnation of her before i mean there have been infinite incarnations of her before but you also see one of the incarnation of her from before the black man which was a very witchy looking woman that i've only seen in one clip um in any case she uh at some point in the past, maybe World War One, maybe World War Two, sometime around then, um, gets into the body of a of a provincial f- French girl named Marissa Marcel, and um, uh, at this point, we don't know where the other one is, but she uh, she comes to a, she first is, becomes a, a model, then and stars in a soap commercial, then she moves to America. Or maybe moves to America, then stars in the soap commercial. She uh, interviews or auditions rather for the movie Ambrosio and gets the part. Um, 
possibly by psychically abusing the director. There's some great scenes there uh, where you can see her psychically abusing uh, Fisher and humiliating him in ways that were incredibly satisfying. No, he seems like a cool, normal dude. Uh, why you gotta be mad at <laughs> <laughs> fucking weird? He doesn't man. have weird sexual hangups with his two yeah. leading ladies. Yeah. And then, okay, so through through the through the stories, uh, very briefly, because we'll talk about them as we go through the movies. Um, she uh, she plays, you know, Marissa in Ambrosio meets the cinematographer. They get together and have a uh, have a um, both an affair and an artistic collaboration where they begin making a, another movie, Minsky, together. But during that time, the other one returns. So uh, the other one was back during the plot of Ambrosio. I, I think so you you might have missed. I might have missed that. So the the other one does appear on set. Um, there are a few scenes in Ambrosio where uh, Marissa's character, the uh, the monk, um, <clears throat> communicates directly with Satan. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like a really great scene. Oh, and the other one a, was Satan in those scenes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so okay. in those scenes, if you do if you do a reverse, you get a scene between her between both of them. Yeah. Nice. The and, one uh, and the other I, one replace both characters. I, I don't know if I saw that and just didn't remember it, or I've missed mm-hmm. it. But the first you know. backward Satan, uh, the the non rehearsal backward Satan scene where he gives the branch, they both get replaced mm-hmm. in that ah, one. Ah. Okay. Okay. I think yeah. I did see that and forgot about it or, or something. Yeah, but not not just that one. Uh, there's also there's a scene others, with but... uh with the puppetry wings. Oh. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a there's a few other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, any place that that character shows up, you've got a yes, nice scene. I, I think I think the reason that I wasn't thinking about it was I. I was thinking about it more in terms of like, he wasn't interfering in the production of Ambrosio. He was sort of just there to see what she was up to. He's helping a little bit. Yeah. Whereas in Minsky, um, you know, she's, she and, and, uh, and John, um, uh, and the other actor who Durek? walks out because he John can't Durek. stand the weirdo. Yeah. Uh, she and John Durek are working together on Minsky, uh, and they hire an actor, Carl Greenwood. And I believe during the production of that film, the other one, kills and takes over yeah, carl or carl um and that's why she's super upset about uh about um you know she's super upset about it right in the middle of the film there's some scenes where she or there's some some clips that are behind the scenes where she's really pissed about it that's one of the places where the layers i think are really cool because you have marissa who is upset about carl um but it's not really like there's a there, there those are scenes that you can really read in two different ways um like I think she's saying stuff like, "Yeah, that's." I forget what it was she said. She was she. There's a there's like a short clip where she's like, "That's ah, not like him" or something like that. And it's. Mm-hmm. I I remember there's a scene where um where Durek is filming her and she's just looking upset and she just says, "He's not who you think he is." He's not who that's mm. that's what that's that's the one. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not who you think he is. And uh, and it's, you know you used to be all over him. What happened? Did something happen between you and Carl? He's not who you think he is. Um and uh, finally that ends in Marissa uh. Firing a loaded prop gun at Carl Greenwood, um, killing him, and uh, uh, you know, of course. So that- before we move too far here, like the, the mm-hmm. out of the the context of the the two immortals, there, like this is where I feel like we really started to see the dysfunctional relationship that the two of them have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sort of Im- in- eternal struggle between them. Sort yeah. of. Yeah, I mean the the fact that like she. In in the first film and and really in the second film, like she has she's kind of pulled away from him to embrace this like artistic life that she's trying to create, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he has followed her into this, even though 
he really despises humanity and doesn't conceal that. And there's a sort of uh, abuse to that relationship, the sort of um, possessive controlling element that I think is coming through there. There's also a certain element of like perhaps protectiveness too, because in order to pursue this, she is pushing herself beyond her limits. These, these immortals have a certain sort of limit of like, at some point they need to eat a person Mm. and change their form. And she is keeping the idea of Marissa alive too long. And we start seeing that mostly in two of everything. Um, so, uh, I guess that was, sorry, I guess that, so it's a lot of this is news to me. So that, that yes, would explain why she still seems so young, even though, uh, two of everything is 30 years basically after there's a really specific thing going on in, in, in two of everything. I have a lot to say about two of everything, but, um, but yes, I think we'll loop she, back and talk about the specifics of each movie and probably can go yeah. into more depth then, but like, yeah, yeah Shane, go ahead. So, so yeah, two in, um, I, I, I do want to loop back when we get to two of everything, but since we've addressed it now, um, no one, including like the like about page that is written by Sam Barlow, addresses the fact that like decades go by and we have footage of Marissa Marcel in, uh, you know, decades later and she's clearly not aged yeah. today. No. Right. And from the beginning, that is one of the like, markers of weirdness here and really when we were talking earlier like what was your original working theory my original theory was ah this is about a movie star vampire Um, it's called immortality so you have to know why is it called immortality is a question right but it's also it's a a real good title though just real quick because my initial thought was oh it's immortality we are we now will remember marissa marcel forever because she is yeah exactly it's layered Exactly. But even from the the description that you can get to before hitting start, clearly something is wrong because Marissa should be much older. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, um, what um, what we will later see, I guess we'll I'll talk more about this when we we get to it, is that um, Marissa is no longer the one at that point. Marissa is a, a kind of a projection of the one. Right, because point. we see her eat John yes. at some point during the production yeah. of Minsky, which was the second clip I saw. The second, the second what? secret yeah. clip I saw was That's wild to me. Her eating John because he's like, "I made this movie for you. Why, you know?" And then she eats him. Yeah, my read on that scene was like, there, like if you watch this sort of hidden scene, you see her and him talking about like. Um, yeah, I made this, like, I made this for you. She says like, this isn't the, um, uh, I, like I revealed myself to you. This isn't the reaction I wanted. <gasps> and he says, I don't know what you are yeah. or something like that. Um, I, I got the, I got the feeling from that clip that she had on some level revealed to him that she wasn't a normal human. Like she thought, mm-hmm. like, like that she revealed something about her true nature to him and it scared him. And then partly out of annoyance with him, partly out of need or hunger, partly out of self-protection, she eats him. But she isn't just, you know, a straight up vampire shapeshifter. Like she's some kind of psychic entity here. Um, And she's able to be more than one person simultaneously. She can project Marissa while physically being John. I don't know what exactly happened to Marissa, like corporeally. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, when when the 
when the entity shifted over to John. Um, but there's a there's a a monologue that she gives in one of the reverse scenes where she says, as she was working on two of everything, you know, she had originally come up with this part by she is she as John here who's who's running the show had come up with this part for this other character Amy. Um, we'll talk about why that's interesting, but um, but that she kept thinking about Marissa for this role. Hmm. And so she and so she brought her back. She brought Marissa back. Yeah. yeah. And if you watch some of the scenes from the production of Two of Everything, um, and you get those scenes where you can overlay the actors on the uh, you know, where, where it's mm-hmm. cutting into um, you know, there's an empty chair. Um where Marissa would be. Yeah, and where yeah. and uh and I just watched one of those. The, the one is taking he, the John's one place. she's yeah. doing the yeah. scene, the the voice of John. And of Marissa. and although say and Shane, I Marissa. should say actually like yes, I believe you're right that like Marissa is a projection during some parts of Minsky. Um, I believe she switches it when she when she gets uh when you know when she starts um uh in in two of everything um uh when she brings Marissa back, I believe she's physically embodying Marissa and John as a projection based on the the film the, the, the hmm. clips I was saying. It's John's yeah. seat that's okay. empty in the clips. She's reading John's lines, but sitting where Marissa sits. Um, that kind of stuff. So, um, and also like when we get to the end, like it's Marissa in the final scene, it's not John. So, um, so I believe that like John become, I think she can, I think she, she can switch basically. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering about that because the, the, the one hole in that theory is what, what happened, not, not what happens to John uh, gobble, gobble, yum, yum, but what happened (laughs) to John gobble, gobble, yum, yum, uh, yeah, yeah um, could have said it better myself. <laughs> but what happens to what happened to John uh, during the production of like you know in the nineties? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, so I, I think that makes sense. I think it's probably it's probably two. It, of it's uh, it's so funny to me just the the difference in experiences too. And I think see, I because again, I know I've said it a couple times, but that was the second secret scene I saw was Marissa eating John, and I've assumed that this game has some waiting about when it shows you certain clips. And so my thought was like, wow, this you're going from like, Oh, I'm sleuthing to this is like an insane murder mystery sort of thing right out of the gates. And then I find out from all of you that like, no, most of you, that was like way later. Yeah, I think so it I, took me three hours to even see yeah. a hidden scene, maybe two. And uh, I didn't see that specific one until way. I think it's a, a actually a credit to the game, and makes me like it even more that like if that's not a predefined yeah. like exposure, you know that you can. Yeah, we talked about this also with uh, with her story and telling lies in that like both of them had that feeling of like I felt for sure that I had walked some kind of perfect critical plot discovery path with her story, for example, like, um, and that I had, I had been like led, uh, you know, uh, in a very designed way through the discoveries that I made. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was, um, there are things that the game does in setting up its systems that encourage you to find certain things earlier rather than later, just, you know, in both of these cases, but nothing is out of bounds. I started with Ambrosio partly because it was the first, movie chronologically partly because i thought like this seems cool i want to do this 
I started with it because it was the coolest looking one. I know. I was like, this looks <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we have such we have such different tastes. I was like, oh, this. But I could see like <laughs> you get because you start off with the clip where you get multiple, like you can get into multiple movies very quickly. It mm. takes like three clicks before you are collecting something from every movie. It's not like you unlock a movie at a time. So I think it is valid to get like the middle of the story first or the end of the story first. The way I put it when we were talking about this in the first episode was like, you kind of absorb these stories, the stories of the three films kind of as a gestalt, you're like taking them in bit by bit. And, you know, I, I eventually sort of felt like, okay, I see it as a whole. Now I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't come to understand any of these stories beginning to end it was it was just sort of like you begin to encompass them and start making them make sense in your head for my brain and knowing i wasn't probably going to hit credits i was like i'm going to know the whole plot of ambrosia and find most See, of those clips and i think i did i mean you can't find all of the clips without going at other movies you all, I, I don't even know how you would go about trying to find all the scenes in a particular movie well there's certain things that it's like easiest to find so like <laughs> i have some every um, every scene, every movie has its own unique crew members. Mm-hmm. So one trick was like makeup the prop girl. master bam, or bam, makeup bam, girl bam. or assistant directors are in most, you know, mo- almost every scene in every given movie starts with an assistant mm-hmm. director coming in yeah. with a clapboard. Okay. Uh, and you can you go through those people. Also, certain movies have different visual languages. There's a ton of candles in yeah. Ambrosio. There's a ton of fruit and flowers. Those are quite frankly started the game by spending 10 minutes, not watching any clips and just motion just going clapboard to clapboard Mm, for like 10 minutes, just clicking on the clapboard. And then I got like, you can't unlock everything by doing clapboards, but you can get a lot of clips very quickly. If your goal is to just, you can get a lot of clips very quickly. And then I started going into the movies one at a time. None of the behind the scenes stuff. The behind the scenes stuff is often the hardest stuff to find. It's the people in that. One of my favorite, I know this is just a, a, a little moment while I'm remembering it. One of my favorite little jumps, there's a scene with Andy Warhol in it. Yes. And he's only in one scene. So if you click on him, <laughs> um, it will take you to a statue with a wig on it. <laughs> yep. Well, there's a woman in the diner that if you click on her face, it just goes voop, voop, and zooms yeah, back into her that. face. It's there's like, actually quite a, a few of those. Yeah. yeah. A lot of side characters. I think if they only appear in one scene, it'll do that, which is just a nice way. The good news there is that it is it is adding them to the to the photo grid when that happens. And you do get their their names. One of the things that you can do if you want to explore more is go to the photo grid and look for named people like the difference between someone with a name and the difference and and another person who's like assistant director number two or whatever like it it, there's going to be a lot more to to dig through for the people with names but don't ignore those assistant directors and stuff too they're still really useful i separated out my click my i did this on her story too and telling lies which it's like i i mentally separated out my i'm just gonna like turn my brain off and look for clips for five minutes. And then when I'm done with that, I will go watch everything I just got. See, I think I played for eight hours straight of a entire stream of consciousness. Like I'm going to click on this thing now, you know, and your brain is beautiful. (laughs) You know, and, but that said, I, you know, I think I'm at the point now where I'm starting to see a lot of the clips that I've already seen and I need to do these things that you all are outlining here to really 
get to this final stage of understanding because they can only it, clearly you, you need to think about it more than just like that looks cool <laughs> i wish there was a like you have thoroughly watched this clip <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the thing that i, I was kind of in, i use the favorites kind of as a proxy for that mm. but I'm, i just favorited anything where i'd seen it and found something interesting in the secret scene but it was hard like i kind of wish there was a way for me to to either take notes on a clip or to just add symbols or something to say like I've watched this before, or maybe just like a marker to show that you've watched it from beginning to end, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Um, I found myself really wishing for that, especially when I got really late in the game, and I it was you know you, I'd have to click through fifteen clips before I'd find something new. Um, that was tricky. Uh, so uh, if I were doing this again from the start, I might have taken notes better. Like for example, it wouldn't be that hard to keep a, a sheet that said like you know Ambrosio scene A scene 1a scene 2b scene you know 1c um and just you know check them off or or make a list as i was going um but i didn't so whatever um so we're about to talk through the plots of each of the three films you know we already talked a lot about the uh the the sort of hidden story of the move of the game and we'll talk about the endings way at the end um but uh, nate uh, Nate has to jump off. So Nate, it was good having you. And, uh, well, you can listen to the episode later. <laughs> I know I, I, I am both a, uh, part of the show and a fan of the show. So sometimes this lines up where I, uh, you know, can, uh, be educated even further about whatever it is, the hell that we just played. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm actually kind of glad that I won't hear all of the real endings. Cause I, I intend to, to really keep, keep playing through it. So, uh, Yeah. Yeah, this will be titrated, right. and I will drop in a bit, and yeah. then it will just be uh, the the way two it was always meant to be <laughs> two of everything as it's supposed to be in a Sam Barlow so, game. Just, just two identical uh, people talking. Yeah, about wait till I find out that <laughs> uh, that Laura and I have never existed. Oh um, no! Well, uh, Nate, you I, psychic vampire, you. Uh, I'll talk to you later, and we will continue by talking about the stories of the three films of Immortality, starting with Ambrosio. So Ambrosio was my favorite of the movies. I don't know about you guys, but uh, of all three, like I found things to love in all of them, and all of them are pitch-perfect um, versions of their things. But Ambrosio, we already talked about it in the in the first episode, but Ambrosio is a absolutely pitch perfect, like gothic, late 70s uh, exploitation, uh, like sex and blood. But it's all crucial thing. to the plot. Of course it is. <laughs> I of love that. Of course it's all crucial to the plot. I love it's that. This is exactly the, the way that they talked about it in the behind the scenes uh, was fantastic. They were really all in on the machismo filmmaking of of wanting to put so much sex in this film oh so much sex in the film but also uh like they're doing a sex scene it's like "Mm, we're not gonna see your tits too like you need to angle look at doggy style like they're they're trying to be very careful (laughs) but then they're also saying things like but it's it's always in service of the story (laughs) it's um that felt very true to a certain type of exploitation um and what what uh what made me laugh as I went along with it was that early on, I was sure that this was a story about the exploitation of Marissa Marcel. This is a, you know, this, oh, that the uh, whole this, game was, or perhaps, you know, or the, at the very least the, uh, the early part of the story, I was sticking mostly to Ambrosio. I know this, this is a, a story about a 17 year old actress who was recruited, plucked from a field of thousands uh, by a clear Hitchcock analog who seems to also be obsessed with tits. 
Um, and, or Gino and has, is, but he, yes, all of them. Well, they all are. And, um, and I thought this was going to be a story about like, uh, an Artur abusing a young woman. Um, and, uh, first of all, she couldn't be the farthest, she couldn't be anything farther from a young woman. Uh, some of the scenes where like, uh, where, um, uh, the director, um, what's his name? Uh, Arthur uh, Fisher, Arthur Fisher, uh, is sort of chuckling to himself about this 17 year old girl. Oh, you can't possibly know anything about that. My, my innocent young darling. Uh, you have to laugh when you see them, bec- uh, at, depending on where you are in, in discovery, because this is a creature that is so much older than him and uh you know, nah, man you don't get it she just looks 17 she's actually a thousand years old but yeah, i mean it's that's the anime that's the, way to, yeah, way that's to do the, it, right? the from what i gathered the clever adaptation choice that the director has made of this 18th century novel is that um the innocent character that gets seduced by the monk uh and dies is the same character as the devil satan tempter so he like he merged the two characters and was like seduction of the innocent how cool i'll get this innocent girl and i'll just train her to be the sexy satanist um yeah like he blends so the, the role because it gives him a hard on um and it the, happens to be what's I, I didn't get that about him blending the role which roles was that something they said he about says the book? he says like i will take um rosario and turn it into like this other like he talks about like taking rosario and turning it into the devil worshiper like he says that in a clip so i assumed completely on that one line he's blending the two roles there's several scenes and i don't one thing i don't know that we've mentioned is how much i like uh the fact that a lot of the times when they do a scene uh they'll alternate between the thing actual recorded scenes for the film and rehearsals, table reads, things like that. It's a really economical way to do these kinds of things. Uh, and it's a way to you know show us the production at different stages while still showing things in order. A lot of the table reads that happen early on in Ambrosio have characters or actors or actresses finding out that maybe their favorite thing has been edited out. Um, there's the actress who plays the mother of the one of the victims uh of of, of ambrosio's um uh, i don't know i, I don't even appetites <laughs> yes uh the that mother character um has walked out of one of these table reads and is being read instead by one of the like assistant directors because she was incensed that her character was so much smaller in the than than uh than she was in the book uh, and it's little details like that that I that I think really sell some of the behind the scenes drama. And I really appreciate that you get uh, to see things in a table read and a rehearsal and uh, framed like filmed scene. And it just like other Sam Barlow's, I also really enjoyed like that a clip might just be a close up of an orange or it might be yeah. a table and you can start seeing in your mind how you might cut it into a film. And sometimes those scenes, even though they are like, you know, well, here's just some film of them doing some B roll close up on a prop, um, sometimes become useful in the act of searching for something. So like the first time I encountered a snake, an image that becomes very uh, useful in finding certain other scenes mm-hmm. was just some B roll footage where I forget, like, I think there's a, um, there's a lot of flowers in all of the movies, um, but there's a relatively small number of snakes. And there's a clip in Ambrosio where just a snake slithers past a flower. It's like, oh shit, a snake. And so when it gets poisoned too, that's yeah. One of my white whale clips was uh, from 
one of my favorite back uh, kind of behind the scenes or ancillary elements is these um, interviews, right? And there's mm-hmm. a there's a place where Marissa is being interviewed on a late night show where she is uh, she introduces and then they cut to a clip from the film. And for a while, I thought that would be the only place I would find that clip from the film. Um, and it seemed like a really pivotal scene because it's kind of a like uh, a turning point for Ambrosio's character at being tempted by this uh, by this young woman. Mm-hmm. And he's looking into a magic mirror. And I was digging through every mirror in all three of these flicks for a long time before I ultimately made my way back to this clip to see the full version of it. And I had I had given up. I figured, well, maybe they're just going to show it to us this one way. We only get this uh vhs version of of some of these scenes and that's kind of cool but ultimately i did find it and uh got to see even more about it and it had of course some great uh reverse footage so uh, i think it's very cool the way they they kind of spread some of those around and you get to see what they see in the mirror which is one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. that i found early on was was seeing the the shot of what he sees i actually didn't see that so you get um it's a you get a picture of um the brunette in that film, the girl uh-huh. who plays like Angela, Angelina, the the, yes, the innocent. We know, I knew I knew who he was looking at. But. So she's in a robe, and you get there's a bird hanging, and there's a bathtub, and then they're like, "Okay, chill for a second, oh, take the robe the off." Mirror. And the, yeah, that oh, that's the mirror scene. I see. I misread that, I, and now I now I see exactly what you mean because they were in sequence. That was like forty A and forty E. Uh, but I thought that was a keyhole scene that we were seeing. Well, no, you see him. Yeah, yeah. So you see him like in the smoke and that's supposed to be him reflected in the mirror and then the smoke and then replaced by her. Uh-huh. So like, I just loved all of that stuff. Like the pause Super where the good. book, where she drops the book and they like come in and hang it and then it falls to the floor. Like all of and those the, clips and the, made me happy. The bird never works right. The bird it's, doesn't uh, work right. Yeah. Man. So the overall plot of Ambrosio, tell me if I missed anything. Um, uh, uh, Ambrosio, very holy man, a monk. He lives. Uh, he's never left his monastery. The holiest uh, man in Madrid. Yeah, and he is. Uh, you know, preaches constantly about um, purity and rejecting sin. And uh, then into his life comes this woman who is a uh, a young who's disguised herself, disguised her gender, and become a young initiate, and uh, and tempts him. Uh, again and again, she didn't disguise her gender very well. No, no not really. She <laughs> doesn't was, even she try. Well, super hot, um, and uh, and tempt him into sin. Uh, they have a lot of very graphic on-screen sex, and then eventually she she continues to tempt him uh, into uh, further depravities. And there's there's some specifics and details there, not all of which were entirely clear to me. You have tiring of me as your mistress, but there are other delights. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and she's encouraging him to um to uh do even more depraved things until he's up to the point of um r- raping and then imprisoning uh women in a crypt underground and murdering and murdering of course, murdering the mom and carrying off the daughter. Um and uh, finally he is uh, arrested by the inquisition and killed and she escapes by making a deal with the devil. Um, and then the devil in the form of Marissa, um, comes to, to sort of gloat over him as he, uh, dies a slow death, uh, at the hands of the inquisition. Did I miss anything there? I think there's one piece that you missed there, which is kind of Ambrosio's first big sin. Uh, the mm. Ambrosio is kind of locally worshiped as the holiest man in Madrid. And, and that comes with 
being uh, kind of fawned over by like the religious establishment, especially, you know, kind of in the body of this uh, kind of mother superior nun. Um, and I'm not quite sure what his position is, but he is asked to kind of sit in judgment over a nun who has become pregnant. Mm-hmm. And right, yeah. he, um, he has them imprison her in the crypt to starve to death. Um, and I think he is in, also encouraged by Marissa's character. Uh, like he said, like doing this will kind of throw them off of your, of your real sin of, of, of having sex with me. Um, <laughs> totally. Um, Cause yeah. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're still coming down hard on unwed sex, then obviously no, no one will suspect you. So um, that was kind of the first big unforgivable sin for him. And then all of the rest was tragedy. We also start to see some things in the behind the scenes stuff that starts throwing off my initial image of, uh, of, you know, Marissa as, uh, essentially, uh, being taken advantage of, uh, not too far into the film, we see the beginnings of her relationship with John Durek, who's her director of photography on this film. Um, the scene I'm most specifically thinking of one of the first that I saw that included, uh, I think, I mean, look, I'll own it. The first time I saw boobs on this movie, I clicked on them and it took me to another scene with boobs, which took me to another scene with boobs. There's a lot of boobs in this. Um, and so one of the first- Will you click away I... or will you continue to <laughs> click and see how deep the rabbit hole goes? <laughs> how many boobies? Uh, um, side note, I learned a really good dad joke today, which I'll already have spoiled the, uh, the, the, the punchline to. What kind of bees make milk? Boobies. Boobies. <laughs> That's the worst, Reagan. Please edit that out. So I, I, the, the scene I'm thinking of here is specifically um, she and John Durek set up a camera and have sex on the crypt set uh, with John disguised as the actor playing Ambrosio. Presumably this is the first time that they – and I, it's unclear from the angle and uh, what's going on whether this is simulated or unsimulated sex. John oh, Durek, the cameraman. Yeah, in right. this one, the director is later. She, yes, exactly. Thank you. Or the 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 um the um not 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 cameraman, but uh, director of photography. Yes, he, he's the DP. Well, behind the camera. Um, so yes. many and, references um, to staring at John. And that was like a moment where, like, well, she was the she was the aggressor in that. Not only did she, was she like the sexual aggressor with John, you know, IRL, um, but she's also encouraging him to film additional nudity and put it into the film without asking Arthur Fisher, the director, she's clearly pushing this movie in a sexier and sexier direction, which is weird and surprising given my initial preconceptions about who Marissa was. This ties very much to the, the monologue that I was referencing at the start where Marissa says, I even kind of took a note on this one. Mm -hmm. She says, making a movie is about capturing the light that bounces off your skin and recording it on film and then releasing it to the audience in the theaters. When you're sat in the theater and the light that hits your eye is part of this chemical chain that reaches back to and touches my skin. I think in that way, if we make more movies that show more of the body, it could be a powerful magic. She says this in a uh, 
in a little <laughs> behind, behind the scenes, scenes interview, interview uh, with it, two people bre- standing on either side yes, of her. It, it breaks the tone a little bit. It, it's a it's a very innocent interview where they and are basically both of her co-hosts are looking at her like, like whoa, these, like these these fucking hippies are looking at her like whoa, she's too much. Like yeah, and this wild. was the source of my like oh, she's gonna sacrifice her soul yes. to live in film forever. Yeah. Like this girl, uh, and and it does tie into the ending, which we'll talk about later. But like I after I got the end of this movie, I thought back on that moment and thought like there is there is powerful magics at work here like um that it's light. really cool it's sort of a cool foreshadowing yeah um anything else to say about uh ambrosio oh i guess one one little aside would be like this is this is visually a super cool fucking movie i loved the map paintings there are only a couple of mm-hmm. them that's probably an expensive thing to pull off but they have these very old school like map yeah. painting sets where the they've crypt, got like, the, the cliff there's a few yeah, others the, i think the I cliff when i came to it I, like my jaw was on the yeah, floor like you get sh- that scene of the one walking out in the weird creepy green magic dress with the satan headpiece looking like uh like a creepy queen uh walking out of nowhere because of the way that the the set is built walking out from behind a tree that she couldn't possibly fit behind and then addressing the camera directly in this like it, it's an it's chills, man. That's a that's a chilling yeah. and awesome scene. So the first thing we get of this movie is Marissa introducing a late night show. So what? And then he's like, "Will we get to see this?" She's like, "I hope so." <laughs> Never released. So this is yeah. This is the, the one of the mysteries of the game is like, well, three movies, none of them were released, and the answer to why none of them were released is much clearer for the the second and third movies than it is for the first. All I know for sure is that there is a clip later in the thing where where the one talks about um, what she as John Durick at some point later in her life um, had Arthur Fisher come to her and bring her the negatives that he had stolen for Ambrosio. So, but we don't see, as far as I know, we don't see that theft or no. I guess absconding with his own work because it's his movie. My best guess is that at some point, Arthur Fisher felt that, perhaps rightly, that the movie had gotten away from him. And, you know, we see Marissa starting to sort of uh, work her magic on this movie and uh, and sort of pushing it in directions that the director might not have intended. Um, But perhaps that happened to such a degree that Arthur Fisher decided not to release the movie and ran away with the negatives and never released them and only turned them over to John Durek, uh, maybe on the verge of death. He seems pretty happy during the rap party like he even calls yeah. marissa up That's on stage yeah my theory is that that the problem happened afterwards because they were essentially surreptitiously editing in a lot more racy content mm-hmm. so and i don't have a lot to justify this theory but maybe they had trouble with the ratings board or something um that stopped the film's release because there's essentially not a a version of this film that that is <laughs> that is even rated R. No. They were they were forcing explicit sex into scenes that were not written with it. Like the you you could tell they were really working hard to make this the horniest version of itself. They were adding sex into something that during a table read has a fuck montage. <laughs> Well, that's true. But <laughs> yeah, like, and then they added sex on top of that. So they call it the fuck montage. I loved that. So yeah, it, it's possible it was just that like uh, Fisher could never get this past the ratings boards in the seventies, or didn't want to release it as an X-rated yeah. titty picture or something. <laughs> Sorry, Benedetta. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If yeah. anyone, if anyone has a better answer for this specific question, I'd be very interested. 
Yes, me too, because this is the best I could come up with. I don't know. Um, we'll talk about why the other two films were, were not released when we get to them, and they're a much clearer picture of that. So a couple of years go by. In the in the interim, uh, we have that. I'd like, I think it's a good time for us to talk about the um, interview scene, which has a lot of really um, good and specific hidden stuff in there. Um, there's a, um, uh, I guess he's meant to be kind of a Johnny Carson type interviewing Marissa. He had such a goofy, like, Ooh, you are, you are in a movie. I hear this movie has a lot of, uh, nudity. They like that in Europe, don't they? The nudity. He's hamming it up. And she looks so uncomfortable, which also makes you think she's more innocent than she is. Uh, so, but you know, you get the, you get the rewind version of this and it has just one of the scenes where it's a pure swap, where the interviewer is interviewing, the one the 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 entity and we get actually this is another of those those scenes where if you rewind multiple times you're going to get different versions of it you're essentially getting a, a one really extended interview we get a series of different interview clips and the interviewer here is really acting as kind of an audi- audience surrogate this is the scene where i think a lot of people are going to have some of their basic questions about the metaphysics of these immortal creatures uh, he's asking questions like um you know, can you be killed? And, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, what is it like to be immortal and things like that? And, you know, I don't want to spoil the answers because they're excellent. But there's there's one uh, quote that I, I really loved where she was basically describing he basically asked, so what are you? And she she basically describes the um, the water cycle. She <laughs> the best I can quote it would be she says he asks, uh, do you have babies? And she responds, we don't really reproduce in that way. Uh, We are like, uh, you can think of us like the water that melts and flows down from the mountaintop and flows down through the streams and into the ocean and evaporates and falls again on the mountain as rain. So when I said earlier that I had the Marissa has gone into movies as ghost and then uh, this is my first scene within a scene I found. Um or like first like multiple layer scene I found, I think. Same and way. I was just like, oh yeah, my theory is totally <laughs> bonkers because this is completely <laughs> different. But it was lovely. Like this was how I wanted to get um, my thoughts. Like I, I think I had a perfectly valid theory until I started – at that point I hadn't gone too deep. Like two T-W-O deep. I'd only gone yeah. one deep. And so one Same. deep, that was a valid theory. Two deep, nope. Yeah, and that was an incredible scene. And there are two scenes with that uh, with that Johnny Carson figure. Another one happens after Minsky, so I guess we can talk about it then. Um, and then there's a third uh, late night host, but that one is diegetically inserted into um, the third movie, Two of Everything. And I, w- I wanted more out of that. I was re- I kept hunting through those because I kept expecting after two of them, like, oh, there's another late night host. Surely we're going to get another scene like that where somebody interviews the immortals. But um, we did not, as far as I could tell. Do you get the late, you get the late night host is one of the first clips, correct? The first, this, this Minsky late night host, correct? Well, the way that this works, it, um, so the, uh, Obviously, it's been a little while, but here's how I think that beginning of the game works is that, you know, when you first boot up the game, it shows you a completely full uh, clip grid with, I don't know if it's everything, but enough to fill your entire screen. And then you pick which clip you start on. And once you back out of that clip, it's the only clip. This is the clip I started on, but at the time I didn't know. That's great. 
This is the club I started on. At the time, I did not know about the backtracking. So this is the club I started on, used it to get into Ambrosio, and then I abandoned it until almost the end of Ambrosio digging. And then I went back to it to be like, now that I know what's going on, what's in this clip? So Mm -hmm. the first time through, I didn't know about the slowdown mechanic or anything. So it was a really nice cap. But there was a potential, had I known about the rewinding at the beginning, there was a potential for me to figure this out, like, first clip of the game. How wild would that have been? Yeah. It's particularly (laughs) interesting because that's the clip that is used pretty much as the trailer, like the the, the interview. That might be Uh, why I picked it. Yeah, it does set you up as, uh, it it sets you up with a lot of info about Marissa herself, even just on the first pass. Well, what uh, better to introduce you to a movie than someone talking about the movie on a late night show that was my thought but i was like this is a there's a lot going on here i don't understand so i just assumed like the i didn't remember but i assumed the game had kind of like suggested that clip to you but if i guess i picked it randomly (laughs) yeah i picked something very different and i didn't encounter this until much later Hmm. um so maybe now we should talk about minsky which if i had to say like i said that ambrosio was my favorite of these three movies um if you ask me at a different moment, it might have been Minsky. I think Minsky uh, has a good script. I think it. I think it's a pretty well written movie. Like I like the dialogue in this one. Um, the first movie has uh, great visuals, but I, I think Minsky is a really interesting, well written nineteen uh, seventies uh, cop uh, thriller pastiche. Uh, before we hop into the plot of Minsky, I just want to say a quick thing on like number of clips for completionists so apparently there's 202 clips total and there's 76 for ambrosio and 69 for minsky and then fewer for two of everything so like that actually feels right to me from playing so just before we get into minsky's uh i thought it was funny that it had 69 clips for the Continue. Uh, someone please give a plot of this movie. Uh, Feels appropriate. Yep. Shane, do you have the plot of Minsky uh, ironed out or? or- uh, sort of. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it, if you wanted to take this, that'd be fine. I, I, I'll i probably talk more on two of everything, but that, okay. I'll, I'll set it up. Um, sure. Minsky is a, um, it's set in New York kind of against the uh, pop art scene and through a lot of the background we we see that the production is very much integrated into the kind of classic pop art scene. I think I mentioned that there's an Andy Warhol a pseudo appearance here. Uh, Warhol would love to have been portrayed in this, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, there's the title character is Minsky, who's an artist who is murdered. And this is a murder investigation. Uh, and the main character, the main characters, I should say, are... Carl, who is a very handsome man who is playing the cop, and mm. uh, Marissa's character, whose name I can't Franny. remember. Oh, Franny. Yep. Who is a muse to, I guess maybe this is where our talk about muses is coming in. Uh, mm. she, she is the muse to Minsky um, and is the prime suspect. Mm-hmm. This is something where, like, I uh, drawing connections between the movies and also maybe why muses were partially on my brain here uh, in the first and second movies. Um, Marissa's character is the original of a painting that's featured prominently more so in this one, but like she was, it's a big plot point in Ambrosio that um, Marissa's character is the original of the Madonna, the char- the, the painting of the Virgin Mary that um, 
uh, you know, the, perhaps the sort of original sin of the monk Ambrosio is mm-hmm. that he has a, a fixation on this Mary that verges on sexual. Um, and then when this, when this character appears and it turns out she is the, she is the original of the painting she posed for it. Um, that, and actually it's implied, I think later, uh, not to go back to Ambrosio, but, um, it's implied, I think later that, that she was actually sent by Satan, um, and designed specifically for Ambrosio to tempt him that perhaps that, uh, that she was designed after the painting rather than the reverse. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, it is the Marissa cinematic universe, the other MCU. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, story of Minsky, uh, uh, Minsky, the artist is killed in the first scene. He is played, uh, by, uh, John Durek after the original actor who was playing him walks out. And, um, and a very funny scene. Very it funny. Is a, it, he's portrayed as kind of an old fuddy duddy. Um, and, but, uh, but when he, when he walks out, he's like, he's, he's rebelling against weird and creepy working conditions that frankly are weird and creepy. Like They're, the, 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 the relationship in a paper mache mask with straws yeah, up his yeah. nose, naked on the floor. And he keeps getting told to lay there. And he's like, I've been here for hours. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and more than that, he's also just like rebelling against the sort of the the level of sexuality of the film. Um, they're like, the, they're the telling him he needs is, to take off his underwear yeah. and mm-hmm. everything. Oh yeah, because he wants to Sorry, take right. the nude underwear off because it's not showing, and he's like, "You've had too many scenes. I'm not taking my underwear off. I'm leaving." Yeah, they're they're not going to be looking at me. They're going to be looking at Marissa at her gyrating up there. No, bop it around on top of me or something like that. <laughs> so. Uh, after that, the director, John Durek, decides to play the deceased artist. Um, and the main plot is that um, this cop, this very sexy cop played by Carl Greenwood, uh, the cop's name is Goodman. I forget his first name. In fact, I'm not sure it even says his first name. Mm. Um, uh, Goodman um, uh, is s- slowly investigating the, the obvious uh, the obvious suspect is uh, the girlfriend of the deceased uh, Franny. Uh, she's less girlfriend than sort of like um, abused muse, like we said. Um, but uh, he's slowly falling for her and falling in love with or being entranced by the like strange uh, sexually liberated artist scene that she inhabits. Um, and uh, that's sort of leading him astray because, as of course it turns out, she really did kill Minsky. Um, like in and, all good noirs. Yes, of course. Um, and that leaves him, uh, you know, well, what does he do? He's too. He's in too deep. And uh, the end of the film, uh, uh, Franny is has moved on and become an artist in her own right and is giving gallery shows. And uh, and. Uh, Detective Goodman has uh, quit homicide detectiving and moved on to uh, to white collar crimes. Um, and there's there's other angles to it too. There's this this uh, sort of reversal that happens in the middle of the film where we f- we discover that um, Goodman actually uh, w- was rich and an art collector and owns one of Minsky's portraits of Marissa from before any of the action of the film took place. And so there's a, an expectation that he's actually like obsessed with her in a way that he wasn't upfront about and vice versa. She's holding back from him that she actually was the, the, the killer of, of Minsky. There's also an entire uh, element of his character where kind of she takes him on a, 
like a psychosexual journey and he dresses in women's clothes and they go out to clubs together and are and are discovered by i believe one of his lovers something like that mm-hmm. i they're mean they're chasing they're chasing boho. i forget who oh, i don't know who that person in the in the bathroom was it might have been but um they're, they're chasing after a, a lead that turns out to be false uh and uh the woman that they uh that they basically frame for the crime uh kills herself in jail um I would say like the this is this is not a complete movie. Part of the part of the story of this is that like, you know, Ambrosia yeah, was never released, it. but this movie was never completed. Um and so there's definitely holes in our understanding of the story here, but the scenes that we do get, I think are really well written. Um like like to the point where there were scenes in this that I like, I, I was like watching and rapt attention. Like that uh, Ambrosio had this sort of overacted style to it. It was very it was very heightened, it was very stylized. Um this felt more like a movie to me or not like a movie, but like, like, like this was, this felt very, uh, felt very modern in its acting and writing to me, or at least as modern as a seventies movie. Naturalistic is the word I was looking for. I also think that this movie has some of the most pivotal secret hidden scenes. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the most obvious one is the the death of Carl Greenwood, mm-hmm. um, but the kind of better hidden story here is if you if you view the one of the if you're really looking for these hidden scenes and the story that they tell, the best thing to do is to see things in chronological order. So if you look at this film in chronological order, the very last scene filmed, of course, is the death of Carl Greenwood, but just before that is. A uh, a scene that is the revelation of Carl Greenwood's character that he had been this uh, art collector, rich kid, um, kind of his uh, and and revealing his kind of obsession with Franny that, mm-hmm. uh, that had been driving this. And simultaneous to that, we have the revelation that Carl Greenwood has been um, occupied by the other one. And uh, we we pretty quickly right after that get the get the scene that i believe we mentioned earlier where um where marissa is kind of crying to john saying he's not who you think he is and uh you know this is this is i think one of those kind of moments of the abusive relationship that these two creatures have to each other Mm. like any any time she is building a relationship with a human which she was with carl greenwood obviously they had a a really powerful attraction her and and carl um uh they um he he intervenes to kind of stop that and he's done so here by kind of taking over carl's body uh and redirecting her attention back to him and uh you know so so that's when we get this this very now, I, I definitely have some kind of question questions around this scene with Carl. Like the the real scene, is, you know, in as it's played forward, mm-hmm. um, she's she, Marissa is in a pork pie hat and like a fake mustache, and I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> so and I he's calling her Frankie either. Salvatore or something like that. There's a scene earlier in the movie where um, Goodman is grilling, and it's I think that scene is only seen in in the form of a rehearsal where Goodman uh-huh. is grilling her about 
that name, asking like, who is this? What do you, and I believe it's because um, Minsky had a uh, a diary entry yeah. about the day that he was about to be murdered that mentioned this Frankie person. Um, and no one seems to know who he is. And that was one of the inciting incidents of like him investigating the, the like artist scene mm-hmm. of, yeah. So, but I don't know why is Marissa's character, um, dressed that way. So I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm not- I think there's a, is there's an element here. There's like a layer to this film that maybe wasn't fully explored in the bits that we did see that were recorded or maybe I, that I found of mm-hmm. this sort of gender reversal element where, um, you know, Carl's character is, wearing high heels and earrings and 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 uh franny is dressing up in men's clothing i i i feel like there's something missing there it feels like there's a loose end um Mm. but there's going to be a lot of loose ends when you have a scene that uh where the it's a the prop gun was loaded the Mm -hmm. prop gun was loaded i mean this is this is uh the the crow this is this is rust uh, you know, there's plenty of times in the history of filmmaking where a prop gun has malfunctioned and someone's been shot and killed. And, uh, you know, Brandon Lee, we lost him that way. RIP. Yeah. Um, so in the reversal of that film or of that, of that clip, you get, you see like him challenging her to shoot him. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I, uh, and, and what we don't see is her cremating him. It says at some point that that happens. Mm-hmm. But we know from the interview with the Johnny Carson character that the only way that they can really die is if their bodies are burned. Um, and then she has him cremated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she says that in a uh, in a reverse scene later. And um, and there is a uh, well, the the reverse version of this scene has them kind of squaring off in what is one of the most dramatically lit scenes of the entire film. Like there's, there's this kind of beautiful side lighting and he's telling her it's us or them. And, you know, and he's telling, he's telling her like, you chose them. I choose me. You know, this is, this is him trying to inter intervene in her building a relationship with humanity. And, uh, you know, basically tells her, to shoot him. But the, one of the interesting things that he says at the, in that, that I, I keep thinking back about is he says, you never watched me die before. Hmm. And I just don't know what that, what that represents uh, to, to them. Well, when we talk about the ending, we can talk a little bit about the, like what it means to watch one of these creatures die. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was also a little puzzled by that. I'm not sure exactly what that that means in this context. But especially um, considering, I, I think at another point, I also seem to remember them saying this isn't the only time they've killed each other. So how could that be? I, I feel like there's something I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm also not sure, like maybe she just has, you know, not seen the act. Like maybe she walked mm-hmm. away, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But so it yeah. might not be that like fraught with meaning as it potentially sounds. Yeah. I think we kind of know a lot about what's going on here, but there's definitely still some holes. Um, anything else to say about Minsky other than why, why it was never released. It's super obvious. Like Carl is, is, uh, it appears to be killed during the filming of the, of the movie. Um, and so, of course, you're not going to release that movie. Yeah. But afterwards, Marissa is now John and um, uh, or rather the one is now John and goes on to spend the next 20 years 
um, creating films and uh, being a, a hot in-demand director. It's kind of implied that he's like a Spielberg-y kind of character. Um, there is a there is a reverse scene in Minsky where we see John lying dead on the floor uh, or dying, I should say, on the floor. Um, and Marissa behind the camera, or I guess the one behind the camera is is watching him bleed out. She has torn out his throat is what it looks like. Mm. Um, and which you know, we she's... see always when they like eat somebody, basically, they don't mm-hmm. they don't like seem to be the kind yeah. of vampire that sits there drinking blood for a while. They basically take a single bite and then dot, dot, dot. And then suddenly they're that person. And yeah. we'll say and, that the um, the creators of this do not necessarily endorse the word vampire. We are yeah. using it as shorthand. It's inescapable. It is inescapable, <laughs> but what I, we're, we need to say, yeah. like, that's not yeah, a... it's true. It's not a term they enjoy. Yeah, in some of the marketing or some of the, the review content that they sent the out, kit, they yeah. say, the press kit, they said, they said, we have avoided using the V word. I think primarily they're really asking you to kind of take a step back and consider what's, what's being shown here and how it's different from a Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh but and i i agree this is highly non-dracula behavior uh so she is she's kind of walking around uh as as he's bleeding out and there's something that's very specific here um she has i think she started to to eat him in this scene and what she's saying is he's less than i wanted him to be right he is he he wasn't uh he wasn't who I wanted him to be. He, he wasn't as creative and as brilliant as I wanted him to be. And um, what I'm reminded of is another of kind of these reverse scenes where um, she's describing how she kind of consumed the, the, the peasant girl that really came to America as Marissa um, and how, you know, when she did that, she really learned everything there was to know about, about that person. Right. And, so so th- that's what makes that interesting to me is she kind of fell in love with this human and idolized him. And I mean, she's really th- this whole sequence, this whole story is a story of her artistic journey as much as anything. And so she has come to idolize him and so much that she has kind of become him and she felt like it was a letdown. And, and that now she spends the next 20 years uh, trying to become the artist that she wanted him to have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I think that was very interesting. That is really cool. And then let's talk about Two of Everything. Shane, do you want to set up the plot of sure. Two of Everything? This was probably the movie that I spent. Yeah. Um, I had the hardest time kind of wrapping my head around the story. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of digging on Two of Everything a little bit. But the the basic plot of Two of Everything is it's about a pop star uh, named... Uh, Maria, I think. Yep. And um, she is the uh, kind of the most, she's a incredibly famous, uh, powerful, popular pop star. Um, and she works with a body double that no one can tell apart from her. I've um, seen multiple Disney movies about this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this woman uh, can sing like her, looks like her, can do all of her dances and et cetera, et cetera. The story really begins with the pop star. They're carrying on this subterfuge. They don't tell people when they've switched places. It's the classic kind of twin plot line. Shane and I know this very well. Yeah, we used to do this all the time. 
so there's a there's a scene early on where it's kind of at her trailer right and uh kind of coming off stage the double realizes oh you know they, they're gonna they're, there's a scene coming up something like that they're gonna ask me to swim i can't swim um so she has to call the real marissa and get her to come and bail her out from this scene and you know to do that she makes a big stink about oh the apples here they're they're not round enough bring me rounder apples and this is just to buy time uh so that the real marissa can come well uh shortly after that you know the agent arrives and and invites marissa to make some money by singing at a billionaire's birthday party um and uh, the billionaire i forget their names right do you remember the hessenberg names? the hessenberg i don't remember yeah. the first names yeah. right uh, but uh, yeah right mr and mrs hessenberg so the the it's a lot of money 10 million dollars yeah when you are you know the world's most popular pop star who has an identical double sure send the double right mhm well the um I, I forget the exact details but it's that same kind of switcheroo plot where uh she she does end up going um i think she was going to send the the double but then send but then goes herself i i forget the no exact. no no the double goes no, no, the double doesn't go. The double is the one that. No, I guarantee you, the double okay. goes. So Heather. this is this is because this is this kind of film that we're now approaching from uh, multiple mm, out you know, of you're order, literally <laughs> shuffling through scenes in which the same actress is portraying um, two different characters. Uh, this this is probably the hardest film to really piece together. Um, yeah. But she, so the double goes and. She is she the one that is assaulted by the Hessenberg? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's so, she sings. She does the whole mm-hmm. performance, and at the end of the night, I'm not um, totally sure that that's the case. I think it might be the reverse because at the end of the night, she. I, there, I've seen scenes that come from the end of the movie where specifically Maria is still alive, but is basically stuck as Heather, and uh, then she says, double. "But it's me," and she she that's she, right. Okay. She, Yes. She tries th- with with some people. Uh, early, originally, she tries to like correct this, but she just she eventually decides that she's going to going to continue living as her body double, who's mm-hmm. still alive, and uh, and let Maria be dead. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely Heather that goes mm-hmm. on the and, trip and then goes on to get revenge and exactly. m- and murder the people who murdered her. So I mean, this is a great uh, this is a great plot. You it's know, very David Lynch in yeah. the shooting style. It's it's like it's it's a love letter to Mulholland Drive. Yeah, that's a good that's a good connection. Yeah, I wouldn't I wasn't quite sure where to place it, but that's a that's probably that's probably pretty close. Um, it has like it's sort of splitting the difference between like Mulholland Drive and like a Disney Channel special mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> about pop stars. Yeah, there's a lot of bad wigs in two of everything. This is this is maybe my biggest complaint about the entire thing, and the problem is that there's no there's no solving it. The wig tech. Uh, just isn't there for this, and I wasn't sure quite how much of that was supposed to be like we're you know we're seeing Marissa I don't think wearing the wig, wig tech's supposed to be there again. If it's Mulholland Drive, the wig tech is not there in Mulholland Drive either. Yeah, <laughs> like, and there you know wigs are part of that movie. Like the, when um, when uh, Maria is pretending to be uh, not Maria, basically she wears a black bob wig. Um, Maria's quote unquote real hair is supposed to be the long sort of honey hair. And um, I think that Heather 
the body double is supposed to have real hair, but it's really clear it's a wig. So I'm not sure whose hair is supposed to be what, what's supposed to be a wig, what isn't necessarily supposed to be a wig, but wigs are definitely in play. I'm not really sure whether I'm supposed to look at this and say, hmm, that's her hair or hmm, bad wig, um, but it's a bad wig. No, it, it does sort of blend together. The behind the scenes on this and the in front of the scenes are kind of overlapping a little bit. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. One is that there are a lot of scenes that aren't successfully filmed. Like they'll start off with the the version of the, that seems to be going to tape. Um, and then they'll, they'll have to cut because one or the other of the actors will collapse. <laughs> yeah. Um, like there's, there's quite a few scenes in which Marissa has collapsed. And I, we, we've already mentioned this, but Marissa is the star here. Um, but it's obviously Marissa should be like in her forties here, I think. So yeah. she, if she was 17 in 1968, what does that make her in 1999? So that is 31 years older. So she's 48. Yeah. And she doesn't look 48. Yeah, she definitely doesn't. So obviously there's going to be something going on behind the scenes. But things are continuing to get weirder and weirder. Like, yeah, like you mentioned that, that they have to keep stopping shooting. The the place where that really like became really obvious for me was the scene where she's at the bar and she gets up, she picks up a card. She's like, you know, hmm, I have to go like investigate this. And then suddenly she freezes and blood begins to run <laughs> from her hair da- hairline down her face in just like a, just like a river of blood, just like running down her face. Yeah. There's a, and there's another scene that's, I mean, a similar thing happens where um, both she and John who's behind the camera simultaneously collapse. And that was the first one I found. Yeah. Like she, the, the one who is at this time, both Marissa and John is a machine that is breaking down. Like you get this feeling that like things are going wrong with her ability to like hold this shape. Artistically, things are going wrong for her as well. I mean, there's there's a, there's a point where she, and she's talking about two of everything. Remember that she is John, who is the director. And at several points in the behind the scenes, um, she is, you hear that they are finance. She's financing this or they are financing this themselves. Himself. Himself. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a, this is an independent production. It has the look of a nineties independent production. It does. It looks like it's shot on DV tape or something. Yeah. I I mean, maybe if you're immortal, maybe you could get, enough of a budget together to put into this. I don't know. But uh, it's also it's also worth mentioning that there's a lot more use of the kind of pre-production recording here. Mm-hmm. Like we see we see this thing in a much less finished state. Um, it's also kind of the stated intent of the of the one here, the the of other art the entity to use this film as a way to tell her story in a coded way. And that's the part that's keeping me trying to come back to two of everything, because I'm trying to see um, the ones a story in the story of two of everything. And I wonder if anyone has any thoughts on that, because it is, I mean, it's, it's hard to really find that for me. Yeah. I'm not sure. My impression is that, I mean, besides the like, doubling mechanic of like being there and not there. There's also the like, when is it you? And when is it the 
alternate because they're sharing it's two people sharing a life like it's in this mm. case it's two separate physical entities sharing one one life and i feel like the blending is what's interesting to her is like when a bad thing happens to my alternate does it affect me the long-term person like i i, I see something there it's, it's not as i haven't gotten enough clips to know exactly but i can see why um Inherently, um, like two bodies, one life is an interesting concept for this. And, and for me, I'm reading into the the other one uh, as the kind of um, uh, you know the the Maria is like a is like a powerful artist mm-hmm. with a global you know reach, right? But she is overpowered by this other one that is on another level from her. And is abused in that way. And I think there's I think there's a connection there. Yeah, that she can't control what happens to the alternate version of herself. Like that the alternate version of herself is set up for abuse, even though she has they share so much in common. I, yeah. I could see something there. Yeah. But she has this secret power, which is that there are two of her, and so she comes back in another form and gets revenge. Yes. Being able to body swap, basically. Yeah. So I I kind of see it, but it's definitely not a direct like it's not like she went out and made like a vampire movie or something. It's uh it's not it's not like it's not very direct. But also it's very interesting to see how the other one appears in this film because so we are we are to understand that at the end of Minsky, um that movie went off the rails uh when you know Carl Greenwood got eaten by the other one, and sort of as revenge for that, um, the one uh, kills him and burns his body uh, permanently, compromising him to a permanent end. Um, but the that doesn't seem to have taken. And at some point, um, Marissa specifically, or the there's one, a reverse scene where we see him come back, and you see the two of them. Yeah, well. I think it's as close as we get to him coming back. We see the two of them in a um, like embracing in the water and he is uh, she is asking him how he came back and he says that Amy did it. Um, and and that ties to if the, the Carl Greenwood death scene, if you watch that, this is one of those double reverse scenes Um we see Amy, who is a um, co-star on Two of Everything, um, watching the footage of Carl Greenwood being killed in a movie theater. Hmm. Uh, presuming, I'm presuming that she got her hands on that footage somehow. I'm not totally clear on how or why she would have watched it. But when she did, she turns and she addresses the camera and basically discloses uh, that there was some magic here where by watching him die on the screen transferred this being into her. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And that's the wild thing here is that like, if they can transcend even that and they don't have to bite your neck to become you, you just have to see something on film. Then that opens up what becomes the ending of this film. So uh, my read on all of this is, she killed him. She got her revenge, but she's not that mad to see him come back. They have a kind of a reconciliation here is my read on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, 
that she that he's essentially bringing her good news about their state of 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 being that she can she can do this same thing that he did i'm reminded of the scene in two of everything where they're doing um kind of an effects shoot uh which by the way this is hilarious to me given the uh the history of of uh sam barlow being like originally a director of like mocap mm-hmm. uh so there's like a i i like i think he did like mocap on like legend of Kane or something huh? like that no yeah it was i think uh, the, the the movie he or the game he's most famous for was one of the um uh, it's a, a silent hill shattered memories uh okay um, well i know he did something on legend of Kane. i, I feel oh, did like he? I remember, yeah okay maybe sure. i maybe i don't remember that maybe Sorry. maybe head to the wikipedia page maybe i'm wrong i'm not sure but there's yeah, he a, had a whole triple a career before doing any of the games that he's yeah, known for now yeah. there's a uh there's a scene in two of everything where um Maria is kind of dancing in a mocap suit after, you know, complaining about how silly she looks covered in ping pong balls. Uh, And the kind of production assistant kind of character in this um, has a a moment where he's like monologuing. They're like watching the the mocap playback and he says something along the lines of like, uh, nobody can copy that. That's you. Um, that, you know, we've captured your essence on film, right? Mm. Yeah, by, by which he means the awkward, your core uh, being, he says, dancing, yeah. dancing of the, your core being is this, uh, 90s, uh, CGI skeleton dance. Yeah. And they're using that and he's using that her core being her essence caught in mocap, mm-hmm. um, uh, to on the screen, double and triple, uh, her, right? You are so right. So, yeah, I didn't put this thematic. So together. this is what this is what I think is really going on in the ending is that by uh, record. So we haven't talked about that final scene with Amy and and Marissa, but I will. Uh, Should I drop that, or am I already too far behind the curtain? I, I think you may be already. Too I figured. Far yeah, go this ahead. Is far beyond the rabbit. Yeah, down I didn't. Fa- I found this scene kind of midway, though. Actually, so, uh, but the 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 last scene chronologically in i believe the whole game Mm. is um back in this same um volume uh this recording this blacked out recording space we see um amy who we now know is the other one and marissa uh marissa sits down in a chair um and amy uh douses her in gasoline and burns her Mm. and it's uh, horrible to watch. Um, you watch her disintegrate into ash, and you watch her body fall apart. It's really something. And uh, and the light from her her skin through an unbroken chemical process touches your eyes, uh. right? And and just just yeah, exactly. Just like just like Amy watched Carl Greenwood's death. Now we, the player, yes. are the one watching the death of Marissa. And as we watch this in reverse, we see their their true forms um and she is dressed in the flowing radiant gown that we see her in in so many scenes the green like one as to the no the uh the gossamer transparent oh the transparent one in. yeah yeah it's, it looks it's actually so... more like flesh tone mm-hmm. we've never seen it in color before yeah so mm-hmm. this is the only time we see her in color so that's why i think the that when we're seeing those monologues of oh hers, those right. are her projecting from this moment 
um, into all of this other footage. Yeah, that she those so are all like of those the are mental her... download that we're receiving. Yeah, mm. those are all her telling us her story, right? And so that's the one thing all of those clips have in common. So, which also explains why it's always in this blacked out void exactly. because they're they're filming that scene in that sort of exactly. blacked out void. Mm. And so when when she burns. Now, you know, you see you see that there's a reverse scene where, you know, it just she's like really staring, staring you down through the barrel of the camera. Um, and then when you come back to the main menu, the final thing that we get is uh, her kind of breaking through that main menu and appearing to the, you, the film clip grid. Yeah. yeah, through the film clip grid. Um Essentially, I forget. I wish I remembered exactly what it was she said, but it was it was essentially, you know, uh, you're me now. Yeah, and so I I see this as not just her finding a way to continue, but finding a way for her to multiply by um, by cre- by digitizing her essence and uh, turning it into software that everyone can download and enjoy off of Steam. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, this is why uh, when when Nate earlier was sort of chuckling about like, well, you know, in the metafiction of this, why would like why would half mermaid re- receive all of this weird footage? And if they spent 10 minutes with it, they'd know there was something wrong here and just put it out as is. Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing it because that's that's the whole goal yeah. is is to uh, allow the one to to multiply her essence or something. Yeah. That's I, I think I think you're absolutely right about it in all the all the particulars there is Shane and and you had some points there that I hadn't picked up on so that's really cool. It's a I real the ring of- situation. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, uh, listeners, I wish you could see Reagan's face. He has his jaw dropped and is just like I think all these puzzle pieces in his mind are sifting into a new order. It is it is a joy to watch that you cannot see because podcasting is not a visual medium. But trust me, yeah. Reagan looks gobsmacked and it's great. <laughs> I've been I've had this face on through a good long chunk of in, immortality. Yes. This is a game that that <laughs> gobsmacked me over and over and over again with discoveries. Um, and I think we kind of have to leave it here for two reasons. One is that I don't have anything left to say. And the other is that we've been recording for two hours. And if we do any more, I will, I will die uh, <laughs> because I will not be able to edit this thing. I'm really looking forward to talking more about this game, though. I, I, I really think there are things that like I'm still struggling to find those last remaining clips. There are achievements in this game for um, collecting all of the clips in each of the three movies and a final achievement for collecting everything. And I haven't gotten any of those achievements yet, even though I have been pouring my way through this for something like 16 hours. So um, I don't know, listeners, if you have any tips, let me know. I'm looking forward to hearing them. Um, this I, has been I do our- think it's worth mentioning. I don't think this game is designed for you to find everything. Mm-hmm. I no. think it's made... And I think it's specifically for the reason of conversations like this, where you can share um, what you saw and with someone else who enjoyed it and and hear what they saw that was different and, and spark a really interesting discussion. I hit the credits on this game um, quite a while before I unlocked everything. I had seen very little of two of everything. Um, I had seen really a, a, not that much, but I had seen... Um, the answers to what are kind of the stated mysteries of this, which is what happened to uh, John, Carl, uh, Marissa, you know, uh, maybe a couple of other people. Right. 
And um, when I completed the game, I had a kind of very different theory about what I had just seen. I thought I thought I understood the ending, but I, it took me going back and watching more to have a different theory. I really like the ending that we got, but I the ending that I was imagining was um, was a little different. I, I really thought that. Um, uh, that the whole, I had kind of come to the idea that maybe the whole thing was a suicide note uh, from this entity, you know, and, and in a way it kind of is, but it's not, that's not really the whole story. I mean, it's, it's, it's really a much more uh, kind of creepy and calculated thing that I think she's doing. You know, how do but, you have babies? Yeah, um, exactly. Like early on. Yeah. Do you have babies? Asks Johnny Carson. Uh, not like that. You know, we flow like water. So, so yeah, it's it's for me. This has been a real pleasure. I I really hope that we see more from Sam Barlow. This is without a doubt the best Sam Barlow game. Um, mm-hmm. This is a uh, and it's a high worth noting. Like for, this is a this is his largest production in terms of team too. So like while while this has got this sort of Artur um, vibe on on the marketing of like this is a Sam Barlow game. Um, it's it's the second game by Half Mermaid, uh, which is his company that he started after the success of her story um he worked with additional writers if you watch the credits uh i forget their names which is making me uh wish i had gone and and taken notes on the credits um but he worked with uh screenwriters on this so he didn't write all of these all of these film scripts himself he worked with a massive cast of excellent talent uh i was super impressed by the acting in all of these um it challenging performances can you imagine playing the part of an ancient entity in the body of a young girl playing a uh, playing a series of uh of increasingly bizarre roles Mm-mm. uh there's so many layers that you have to stack uh in order to make this performance work and i thought that the woman who played marissa did a phenomenal job I thought the guy who played Carl Greenwood was especially good. I thought he just really read as like, like he was perfect. Um, like, I don't know any other, what, what, how do you guys, what did you guys think of like the production and performances before we finally leave this? I really enjoyed it. I think I, I love that everybody got to play multiple characters in a way. Cause even if you were playing a character that was like Ambrosio, you actually got to play the actor playing that person. And I, I think that that, Oh the, yeah, the, exactly. The the things I really enjoyed about it were like the the cut and when people like what people did after cut was yelled or before um was really entertaining mm-hmm. to me. So I, I think honestly I would probably watch most of these movies if they weren't in the game and they were together I, and complete. I honestly I would I would sit down and watch the YouTube cut of this where somebody just put and I, I think that already exists for some of these uh where somebody just puts all of them together in film order and makes a movie that you can watch I would still watch that movie even you know despite the fact that that half of the scenes would be in the form of table reads or I'm, or uh, or yeah. you know I'm very uh, glad uh, Sam Barlow for some reason is making it so much harder for himself to make movies <laughs> doing it in this format because it's what i like um it's incredible i i for me the the whole the whole thing has this um this tone uh or i guess this this theme of of being about the artistic and creative process and and about like creativity and that if you were to strip out all of the supernatural elements of this i think it would still be phenomenal because as a as a way of exploring the creative process of filmmaking and and 
you know, for this, like seeing that struggle then kind of mirrored in the supernatural and horror elements and, uh, you know, finally seeing the kind of creative um, idea, uh, the uh, the I, what I think is the creative process that 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 she's doing in her kind of, uh, you know, self annihilation at the end is very, very cool. I'm I'm very, very uh, excited to see other people's reactions to this and and, and talk more about it it's been a a real pleasure absolutely and i guess we gotta leave it there um thank you so much for listening to the short game you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net you can find us on patreon we really appreciate our patrons uh thank you patrons and you can find our patreon at patreon.com slash the short game where you can support us and every one of our supporters gets access to our discord where we have an immortality channel going we are making uh now that you have listened to this episode uh you don't need to worry about the spoiler tags come on in and tell us what you thought but please spoiler Uh, tag for everyone else (laughs) yes please do uh and uh let's see you can find us on twitter at underscore short game and you can find me on twitter at reagan k that's r-a-y-g-a-n-k uh laura where can people find you you can find me on twitter at laura j nash and shane where can people find you over on twitter at 8 Shane, and nate had to jump off earlier but he is um at nate stl and thank you once again for joining us for this extra long extra spoilery episode of the short game i like how this is tagged on steam um it's tat you know steam categorizes everything and, mm-hmm. and with the tags this is categorized as a Hidden object, choose your own adventure noir. Oh no.